0: here for the Geek Pride cast on this Sunday evening Uh, with me tonight uh, we have the usual faces and a special guest. Uh, So first up we have Peter Ray Allison. Good evening everyone. Uh, We have Mark Canty. Hello. And our special guest tonight, author uh, Sarah L. Arifi. Hi everyone. Right Sarah, so um, who are you, what do you do, tell us about yourself.
1: Who am I? Gosh, what a big question. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. I'm Sarah. I am an author. My debut book, um, which is an adult epic uh, fantasy, is out in June, um, 23rd of June, available to pre-order. Um, and it's a super dark, but I want to say fun, uh, book uh, that explores all sorts of themes, blood magic, empire, um, queerness, colonisation. It is fun, I promise, um, but uh, yeah, so that's out in June, and I am so
2: happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's great to have you, I mean, I think we first met at uh, FancyCon in, I think it was November last year, and you gave a really powerful and interesting talk on race, and writing race, and race and fantasy, and I mean, I think just the, what you were saying, like, the. You know, you have, you're have you nervous when you're writing white characters because I am terrified when I'm writing anyone that's a person of colour thinking, am I writing this correctly and honestly and respectfully? So it's just like to see the opposite is equally true.
1: It's it's interesting because I remember that talk and I remember saying, (laughs) I remember saying to the audience, like, I'm sure a lot of you are really terrified. And I remember clear as day in my face, in your face, sorry, looking at me and you're like, I'm terrified of writing black characters. And it's true. Like, I understand that fear. For me, it's not necessarily around writing white characters because I think it's to do with a special kind of pain. So I certainly have the fear when it comes to writing trans characters or writing experiences that are not my own Um, and I think that fear is so important like that to have that fear means that fundamentally you are going to do the best job that you can it's the people who don't have the fear and have the you know the complete arrogance to just you know write these these stories without really thinking about them that's when you get into problems And, and the thing is like Fundamentally, this is my opinion on it. Right. This is I'm not I don't speak for the black community, the Arab community, the female community. I do not um, speak on those fronts as the one you know, person. Um, but this is kind of my take on it. And I think fear in this occasion is a really good thing, um, particularly like for me when it came to uh, writing trans characters. It was uh, it was really important to me that everyone had a, a voice in my book. Um, and uh, trans and actually disabled characters, both I did a lot, a lot of work on. And one, one of the things that I just always say to people is like, um, pay people, pay people for that consultancy. Sit down, 100 pounds an hour if you want a figure, and have a conversation and learn from them and get that kind of um, understanding and experience. And and don't just don't just go to your trans friends or your black friends and ask them to read your book for you know be a sensitivity reader because there are sensitivity readers out there um so yeah that's kind of my take on it i guess
0: so yeah so we're so hi this is your this is your first book so what what, yeah. what, what was it you did beforehand so what what got to you to this point that said you know what i'm going to write an epic fantasy epic, epic fantasy book what what brought you here
1: yeah <laughs> a lot of tears um so <laughs> oh, i ask myself every day why no i do love it um i my background is <laughs> my background is actually uh so i started in theater um and as my my dream was to be a theatre director um and I always wrote ever since like my first novel I think I was seven or eight and it was 50 pages long um so I've always written I've written scripts um I kind of moved from theatre to film and ended up looking into doing marketing um which was something that I was really enjoying did that for about uh, 10 years 11 years um still writing uh, I peddled out one really really honestly like this book was turd. Like it was so bad. <laughs> I kept peddling it out oh, to no. agents, being like, "Please, I'm really good." Um, and honestly, like the book was—it stings even more now saying this sentence. But it was just a version of Harry Potter. Um, there was a white male protagonist. There was the school. He was a chosen one. It was. You know everything that you'd expect. Someone who has been absorbed in the fantasy and sci-fi world as a kid and growing up in this—you know—I was obsessed. I was reading epic adult fantasy from the age of eleven. I was consuming like one of my earliest books was, um, you know, Lord of the Rings. Like I loved, loved epic fantasy. Um, but because all the white the characters were white and male, I thought, well, that's that's what they got to be. Um, so that's what I did, um, and. It was just not authentic, and it was also, frankly, terrible. Um, And I do really believe that you can get better as a writer. I like to think that's what I did, because I did eventually sell a book. Um, I was really lucky to sign with uh, Juliet Mushins within, I think, like a couple of weeks of finishing the manuscript. I wrote it, The Final Strife, I wrote it over six months. Um, And then with Juliet, we kind of had this crazy four days where, we edited over a weekend. Um, I wrote an extra like 8,000 words. I didn't really sleep. We went out on submission a week later. Got a preempt in the US, which is amazing. Literally, there's a photo of me crying on the floor. It was very traumatic. Um, <laughs> and then an auction in the UK. And literally, the next thing I did was ring my boss and be like, see ya. I don't need to, I don't need this wow. stuff anymore. <laughs> which was great um Uh so that's the story in a nutshell it was wild but i am so so lucky and thankful for it every day okay so um can you
0: can you tell us a little bit about the the new book uh sort of obviously just a a synopsis what, what what's what's going on
1: yeah absolutely so um The Empire, uh, the Warden's Empire, is all ruled by blood. Um, It's kind of the currency of the social order, but it's also um, the magic system. Uh, And there are three blood colours, red, blue and clear. And the story follows um, three three women. Uh, One is a rebel turned junkie. So, yes, this is not for children. (laughs) Um, One is a servant and a spy. um, And one is masquerading as one of the Warden's daughters. So essentially, the plot is all um, kind of uh, situated around this act of, act of our trials, which is uh, kind of the competition where the next rulers are chosen um, and, you know, who's going to be it's going to be the next ruler. I'm not going to tell you. You've got to read the book. Um, but it's it's just a big, sprawling, epic fantasy, and uh, it sets up. There's loads of twists because I love a twist. Um, and if I can get people having, like, if people have no idea where the twist is coming from, that is for me. It's like, I i don't care if you hated the book, but you had no idea about the twist. That, for me, is a win, you know? <laughs> um, so there's there's lots of twists. Um, and like I said, it's it's epic. It's queer. It's fun. It's dark. It's um, yeah it's it's got everything you know betrayal um love drugs drink uh and a lot of fighting
2: <laughs> I, like that. I think this is the only time i've ever heard a book called both dark and fun how did you kind of get those two disparate know, elements together
1: <laughs> well i just because okay so the the clear the the clear blood color kind of cast system is um When I say it's dark, it's really dark in that they, uh, when they're two months old, every baby that's born with clear blood have their tongues and hands amputated, (laughs) Um, and which is actually based on what King Leopold II did in the Congo. If you want to read up on that, Um, and so super dark. Uh, But then on the kind of flip side, it is kind of hilarious just seeing this rebel turned junkie trying to pretend that she's not the chosen one and i really love flipping tropes on their head so um i do kind of lean into you think this person's the chosen one and she's just not and that's that was really fun for me so uh it, it is fun but again dark
3: <laughs> yeah
2: did you ever have like, any kind of struggles are going to bounce the two because i mean like the or- when they kind of interact with each other and imagine it can become a bit somewhat disconcerting when you're thinking this is really horrific but also funny
1: yes it's i would say it's not a comedy yeah. <laughs> it's not a comedy don't go to this you know if you, you're reading reading your cozy richard Osman like murder mysteries this is not one for you it is dark um but at the same time i try and find a lightness in it because i think there is there is you've got to find hope in these dark things. I've taken elements of colonialism, which is really dark and, and lots and lots of elements of history, um, and tried to sh- shine a light on them, pull them into a parallel universe, but also gone. There is hope. There is hope and, and laughter here.
0: So it's yeah. not going to be a, a, a sort of George R. R. Martin here. Here's a character who you belovedly love, and I'm just going to kill him indiscriminately.
1: Uh, no, 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 no. We'll be, there'll be no Red weddings. There'll be no Red Weddings. Um, no, God, every time I just didn't want to turn a page when I was reading that series, it's like, who's going to die next? No, you won't get that from me. The um, thing is, yet. like, I'm very... Wait book two. Well,
0: you see, this is it. Like, I, I, I say this, but I've never been so distraught yet in caps, uh, um c- encapsulated is that the word would that be the word just Captimated. captivated that's it engrossed. engrossed or captivated yeah by a book than when it came to that um you know people dying uh who you you love um and you're just like oh my god what 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 the hell has just yeah. happened and it's like it's actually changed me slightly i think so because i grew up in lord of the rings um and um you know Characters die, but it's it's sort of you. You kind of know, you kind of know what's going to happen. You, you've got that yeah, sort of yeah, kind yeah. of you. you yeah. know what's going to happen. Now you, you you jump into Cimmerillion and stuff like that. And it gets a lot more messed up. You know, just sort of it. it it's completely batshit sometimes. But uh, <laughs> generally, like the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings are safe, safe spaces. You know, it's like you kind of know the, the light's going to sort of kind of the free peoples yeah. are going to win and stuff. And then you sort of kind of jump into. It game of thrones and stuff like that and you're like uh, you're just like what the hell is this happening And i, ver- I remember <laughs> very specifically my um my sister and my father had read the books before me and um i i started reading them late and um it was just because they filmed game of thrones in northern ireland basically in my backyard like loads of people sort of from northern ireland played like parts loads of friends played it there's a place called red hall and wow. where i have uh, the walls like five minutes down from my uh my parents house and stuff but um there's like oh there you know sean bean who's one of my favorite sort of actors of all time um is going to be in this new series called game of thrones and stuff and it's a it's some books and i was like all right I'll, you know i'll give the books a whirl before the series comes out and uh i started reading it and i just remember third book and i was like you know it was amazing I was upset that you know you know, Eddard Stark had died and stuff cuz I was like, oh no, Sean character is going to die, but you know, he always As if died. we he, didn't see that he, he, he always dies. So it's okay. <laughs> uh, but then it's like I was getting like like Rob, he's a he's a good character. We're like Rob Stark, you know, he's he's you yeah. know, he's king of king of the north and then it's like and then you're just like red wedding and I'm like getting to that point yeah. where I'm like no no, my sister and my dad are just looking at me as I'm reading these last pages. Popcorn. I, like, literally just page by page. And I got to the point where I was like, God damn it. And I just sort of kind of, I was like, oh, what have they just done? They just killed him. And then they've killed his mother. And then, like, a few <laughs> chapters later, Bran, apparently, is nearly d- is dead. And you know, you're like, and then I was like, and I got through yeah. the entire series of books within two weeks. I hammered them. Literally, I was on holiday, and I just read them, read, 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 read. And I got to Jon Snow dying. And I literally threw the book down and went, I'm not reading any more
1: of these (laughs) books. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that feeling. But I tell you what, there's nothing, even though you felt so captivated by this, there is no better feeling than being the author on the other side, killing off those characters. The power, I'm telling you, it is like... The best drug. It's like I'm gonna kill you all. It, you just feel your reader's pain and it just fuels you in a very special way. <laughs> I sustain you myself on really your tears. You
2: are a very person, you know that.
0: <laughs> but do you find that that's an interesting point because like I, I don't I don't write but like when I'm doing stuff for our DD campaign and the small you know poultry bits of writing I do I find it very hard if I've built up a character, I can barely kill these guys in D D. Like, like these guys' characters and like I find it hard to let them die, let alone <laughs> characters who I've created myself. I don't
1: know. It, like it I, out I, I don't lot. know. There's something there's something really just satisfying about knowing that you're <clears> you're gonna make someone cry. <laughs> 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 there's wow. one death. There's one death nice in the person. second book. Honestly, the one there's one death in the next second book that I was just like, <laughs> 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 oh, "You're no. all gonna hate this." <laughs> oh, no. That was just uh, it. Is just really funny. It is like it was really sad. Like I was like, "Oh, like they're gone. I can't write about them anymore because it was so much fun to write about them." Um, but it, uh, the, the overriding feeling was just joy of how much pain I was gonna give other people. <laughs> What's it? I, I like.
0: I thing is, I I do like in my in my films as well. I I I've now got to a point where things have to be, you know. As much as I I like the odd sort of kind of like happy sort of go happy ending sort of thing, I love a twist. I love when things just don't yeah. happen the way you expect them. I've just finished sort of um the Joe Abercrombie uh, First Law trilogy. I've just finished. I'm on oh, the yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. on the third. Yeah. Uh, I'm on uh, the heroes at the minute from the, the standalone ones in the middle um, and the first trilogy because uh, my boss got me onto them and it's just like you, everything that you sort of kind of have in your head that's going to happen or you should should happen because you think you know this guy's the hero and this guy's a good guy yeah. and this guy's going to be none of that yeah. happens and like all this <laughs> no. crazy stuff happens and you're just like I I don't even know how yeah. to deal with this situation but I love that. It makes you because I think, it and it's it makes so you... hard to do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's so hard to do as a writer because you're all you're, you're just stuck in these tropes, and you're like, and I it, you have to really fight against it to be like, oh, actually, no, the cavalry shouldn't just come at the last minute. You know, there's just like some certain tropes that are so ingrained in your blood that you have to like really fight against them to just. Shock people, I think.
0: Is there is there a specific trope that you've really struggled to sort of kind of overcome, or are you have you literally just gone into this book and gone? I am just gonna I'm gonna dash them to pieces. And
1: um I think you can't. You actually, it's really hard to write a book without tropes that just happen, like friends to lovers or enemies to lovers, or. Um, you know, the tri- even having trials, right, having kind of a competition in itself as a trope, um, I try to subvert it in certain ways, but um, I, I, I think the thing is, like, I try, <laughs> and um, if it fits the story, actually, because there is some comfort in tropes for people, um, when they're like, okay, I can see that person's a bad guy, but I never try and have, like, just villains, or just heroes, Um yeah, it's, it, it's, it is generally tough. And I think Friends to Lovers for me was a trope that I quite liked. Um, and I wanted to show that there was there was some happiness in this world as well. Um, even though, you know, who knows who's going to survive? <laughs> Please don't say that. <laughs> no one
0: can get the sound of it. Whoever would have seen that coming?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with, the, with the dark humour side sort of things. I'm surprised that you got to break through in America cause first, as you said, because it seems like Americans have issues sometimes dealing with how British dark humour comes across. Does that make sense? Let me tell you
1: you, I'm more shocked than anyone that I'm being published in the US. <laughs> and <laughs> I am really grateful. And it was, you know, it was within, 40, I think it was 48 hours or 24 hours that they preempted. And it was incredible. And it was, you know, Biggest moment of my life, whatever. Um, But I was like, "This is this book has no white people in. This book is not. You could not put it. You couldn't even compare it to anyone. I think in our pitch, we ended up saying it was somewhere between N.K. Jemison and Patrick Rothfuss. But it's not really. It's even think about those two names. You can't put them in a sentence. They're so different from each other. And I think." now that I'm in the world a bit more I know that there are so many more fabulous black authors that I just have not heard about they just n- hasn't necessarily been given the marketing but anyway the US did take a bet on me which was fantastic um, and I also want to say that they took a bet on me when the book was 80,000 words and it is now 170,000 words so the book has evolved a lot during the edit process so um, I can't even I can't even remember what was in that draft that they bought um they they seemed to get some of the jokes i guess <laughs> um but yeah they it, it translated and you know it, I'm, I'm just really lucky that they were kind of you know my, my editor uh trisha narwani was behind me straight away yeah
2: i've just had, just had a, a comment from cc C. adams hey Cece. um uh-huh. One of the tropes I love in horror is who's going to survive? It's upper season on any and everybody.
3: <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. yeah, uh, Absolutely. I remember something Richard Morgan once said that when he released Black Man in the UK, oh, it was retitled in America as Variant 13 mm-hmm. because um, the whole concept of trying to sell a story about the protagonist as a black man Oh, with the um, like you know, called black man, did not go down well apparently with certain demographics in the UK. So I'm really impressed about just like mm. the, the change in the past fifteen years.
1: Oh, I'd say the change in the last twelve months. Um, it, and it was, I I'm, I don't think that I necessarily would. Well, no, I know I wouldn't have been published in the way that I have been being you know having two massive houses behind me um with an incredible you know agent I think she's top of publishing market house yeah, um, great. that yeah yeah legend um I you know I I, did, I wouldn't even say two years ago that would have happened um and to have you know my US cover with a black woman you know you look at my us cover you don't go that's adult epic fantasy <laughs> and it is
3: it's
2: kind of crazy um so yeah it's i'm super lucky yeah it's fantastic yeah it's great. i'm really looking forward to reading because it, it just sounds absolutely amazing like and like the fact that you you're breaking kind of usurping tropes and kind of spin them on your heads because i mean far too often you're reading something you just think like yeah i knew that was coming that was going to happen like everyone survives at the end no no it's very rare when someone's there's always a price there has to be a price
0: yeah would you, would you say yeah. that? I'm sorry, how do I put this. Um, to to write uh, a book where everybody is of is of color, um, or even sort of using uh, different sort of sexual orientations and things is a way of normalizing, uh, that sort of thing. Because obviously, like you said, the the trope is a bunch of white dudes battling evil and and, and, and winning or a bunch of white dudes sort of kind of, you know, fucking each other over and stuff. Um, Do you feel that maybe the reason that is so prevalent is because nobody sort of really takes that sort of jump to normalise colour and sexuality?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a risk, right? We said from from the very beginning, like, there's this fear. There's this fear about doing stuff that you don't know. Um, And... it's it's a good fear but it's it's also just sad that no one's no one's willing to take that risk um particularly in this climate where you know everyone is has this fear of being cancelled and etc um and I think it's it's just so important um you know who I I just think for me writing about having one of my protagonist being trans was so important and that just it was a no-brainer you know she came to be trans and that was and that's who she was um even including things like a third gender um which you know wasn't easy it was a lot of work um looking into gender theory understanding it um you know researching things like north african tribes where their gender had always been around um yeah it's it's so important but i think people aren't necessarily always willing to break down those barriers and they write what they know. Um, and which is why you have this circle of, you know, fantastic writers. I'm not saying, you know, (laughs) that they're not, but a a particular type of breed of, um, epic fantasy writers. And there's, there's also this tendency with women to push them into the YA box. Um, that's a young out young adult box because, um, She's a woman. So, you know, the story isn't necessarily epic fantasy, um, which you just wouldn't get if if I was a man at all. You'd be like, oh, yeah, OK, there's there's sex, drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So this is adults. So it's it's very a different, you know, it's a different playing field for them. Um, did you know, I wish you, more people did it.
2: Yeah. Did you experience any kind of um, encouragement to go to be YA?
1: Um, uh, n- uh, no, I would say that there is a certain market of YA adult crossover, which I think will happen within my marketing because right. they find success in that area. But from the very beginning, from the very first edit calls, I was like, this is adult and you, you read this, you know, <laughs> if you even see on Amazon, Amazon has actually classified my book as contemporary horror (laughs) just from the key words within it (laughs) just because of the key words within it um so you know i'm talking about an entire race of people who've had their tongues and hands chopped off it's not it's not for kids it's not for teenagers really um so there i i as a woman people assume and that's quite a sad thing people just yeah. assume oh you you write YA YA is a fantastic and a very difficult genre I wish I could write YA um but you know this just just isn't YA um and I think uh, YA is being sorry young adult young
2: yeah. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, was, I was surprised when my last term um my daughter who's not who's 13 now um she was doing dystopian fiction in English and they were reading the road
0: oh, man, that's the most depressing uh, book And I ever. was just
1: like...
0: <laughs> even, well, I can't read there's that. No, there's no joy in that. It's <laughs> <Just> literally... <laughs> yeah. I think the best bit no. is when they sort of kind of find... Especially like I remember watching the film as well, and they said, the only joy in this film is when they when they find that bunker and they're eating the canned food and that's it it's literally that's the the only sort of happiness in that i thought you're they're gonna
1: right? say the end
0: credits well i suppose the end credits yeah i suppose all right okay yeah so but still it's still, joy it, there. yeah it's still pretty it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty bleak you know I, i've got I've, i watched yeah. that film and I, i've read the book was afterwards actually but i read i watched that film and I came out and going, that was an amazing film that I never want to watch again. <laughs> I was like, I love it, but I'm not going to watch it again because it was so depressing. I was like, I can't do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of um, oh, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Incredibly powerful film. Not watching it again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, one thing I found as well is like what you said about darkness and humour. You, if you have too much darkness... It becomes unrelenting and sort of hard for the readers to keep going. I mean, I think back to, like, uh, The Walking Dead, the TV series, and that was just, like, misery porn. There was no kind of, you know, moment of light.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am so distracted by Mark's cat. It is yeah. so cute. Sorry, this is <laughs> Tally.
3: Her brother downstairs <sighs> downstairs with his mum, Bricks. Yes, I'm a mass pet Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> She's the one that likes to eat cables. <laughs>
0: oh. Oh. Everybody, everybody who's listening, Mark is doing his uh, Dr. No impression with uh, but as the But the
3: negative well. Dr. No, because yeah, I'm black Dr. No.
1: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> I have a no. ginger and white cat called Jeffrey, and he's an asshole, just like my dog. They're both assholes.
2: They uh, <laughs> love <from> each other. <laughs>
1: um, given
2: the nature of writing, um I assume you've, you've already working on or even finished book two.
1: Yeah, book two is with my editors um, at the moment for review. Da, da, da. So we'll wait for those edit notes. And book three is about a third of the way done. So,
0: wow. yeah. So that actually leads on to another, because I think every author that we've had on here, we sort of kind of ask the sort of, same question about writing processes and uh you have ones who (laughs) um you know uh i can't remember the name of them but they had like a spreadsheet and they were sort of kind of they they broke it down um
2: planners and pances
0: yeah that's it yeah do you do you just kind of let it go let just see what happens um i think you have some who literally the character sort of writes itself and you just see how where it goes or do you have a plan uh a start a middle and an end that you sort of adhere to
1: no, 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 plan, no plans at all. Yeah, so, so when am. I sold my first book, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but anyway, I will. When I sold my first book, um, uh, you had to, I had to provide a synopsis of book two and three um, to, you know, to get a deal, a cha- like a trilogy deal. And Juliet was like, you know, you've got, you've got, you know, what book two and three are. I was like, yeah, of course. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fine, Oops. fine. Put down the phone, I was like running around the house like, what am I going to write? And then um, proceeded to spend about nine hours writing three sentences. I was like, this is book two and this is book three. And um, I looked at those sentences the other day. I was like, that is not what happens at all. <laughs> um, so, no, I have, uh, it's, it's actually – ridiculously how out of control my writing is i will be writing and for example um a character had a glove on and i had no idea why this character had a glove on um, this is a, a bit of a spoiler but i'm sure you'll forget for book two anyway the, this character has a glove on for three or four chapters and i keep i kept saying to myself like why has he got one glove on like one glove and it gets okay. to this scene and he takes off his glove and the glove his hand is entirely made out of plants and I was like oh my god I had no idea that was going to (laughs) happen I had no idea and it's just surreal that my brain was prepared for that plot point and I had no (laughs) idea I was just like I'm just on on a journey with the rest of you and so yeah no it's it's all just see what comes out the fingertips really oh
3: sorry Pete Uh, who's gonna go you're
2: okay right there's a certain expectation from publishers about like they they know what they want and sometimes they will ask for like a breakdown in advance of the of the story is that something you've encountered and how did you get Um, around it how did i get
1: around it i actually just wrote the book so um (laughs) uh i just wrote it before They needed anything else so i knew i had quite quick turnarounds um because we've got a book a year for the next three years but then we'll have hardback and paperback so it's technically two books a year for the next four years um so i knew i i'm I'm on the wheel now and i've just got to get it out so i in a break between editing book one i just sat down over like four weeks and just wrote book two um, and edited it with Juliet. so rather than even having to do the chapter breakdown or anything like that, I had the book so I didn't have to do that. Um, so I although I did deliver late, I just delivered it. Um, so yeah, I was lucky there. What about what about
0: you so you're a- editing? Um, does your editor um, brutalise your 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 beautiful work or how, and how do you take it when they do?
1: So I thought editing before I was in publishing, I genuinely, this is embarrassing, but I actually thought editing was the editors will come in and make it better in that they would actually just amend the script. Like you would send them the manuscript and they would send it back better. That was just all that I thought (laughs) happened. But actually what editing is, is asking questions that you don't have answers to. (laughs) Um, So my normal kind of process is that I'll get my edit letter which is very long I cry and then I'm like I can't do this I have a massive downward spiral of like how am I ever going to be able to do this I can't do this and then I go to sleep and then I wake up and I go okay it's time to edit and this is honestly this is the process every single time and then I go okay I can edit and then I just set a schedule of like you have to do so many chapters a day and if i don't have a schedule schedule i'll just be on the playstation all day so i have to have a schedule um so i'm <laughs> like you have to do this um and yes yeah, so i just like turn it around normally in five six weeks well,
0: then, has, what's been your worst edit like what's the has there been one where that's come back and you've gone yeah I, I can't do this this is gonna this is gonna ruin everything
1: um so I also have a kind of policy on that. So, and I also recommend, you know, would-be writers or writers working with editors to do this because I think it's such a good piece of feedback is that anything you disagree with, anything that you get, like this nerd, knee-jerk reaction, like, no, you're wrong. You're ruining my creativity. Like, I'm the author. <laughs> if you get any of those feelings, shut them down. <laughs> just, like, just go, don't change, don't change the manuscript. Don't do anything. Sleep on it or step away from that particular point for a day or two and if you then go back to it and you feel really angry try it out make a different draft try it out and if it works keep that draft if it doesn't bin it and I'll tell you like 99% of the time the editor 99.9% of the time your editor is right um, and I'm lucky in that I trust both my editors I've got uh, Natasha Baden in the UK and Trish Nawani in the US with Del Rey, um and I trust I trust them completely so I will just do what they say and the book gets so much better because of it
3: but I suppose that's a learnt thing isn't it you you may not trust them initially but as you said you built up I mean I I've been nanorining and I'm an ML for nanorime I have been for a couple of years now and I've been giving feedback to others and they give feedback to me and it is quite hard sometimes but um I help another author sometimes as a beta reader He's an American guy, yeah. he's a vet that does um, sci-fi and recently, but he also does military thrillers, and he gave me, and a group of others, like the, the manuscript for like a real last minute beta read and come back with the other week that was released like yesterday. And I remember I was just going through and you just, you know, pick up sort of some of the usual odds and sods, and you ask a couple of questions about dot to analogy. And there was one thing he was doing, and I was just looking at it, I went and looked at a map, and I went back and I just put a comment on the document and said, so if they're doing this, they're going to do that, right? And the next day I got back a, oh, fuck, I didn't see that. Thanks for that. I, I know I'm going <laughs> to five now. <laughs> and it's just because you, you got so into it. And I just sort of stopped yeah. and I thought, but that's, it, you, look on the, the, you look on the map and where one thing was happening was like, I don't know, about 150 miles from something else, which like in the in Asia is not much at all. <laughs> and, they're t- and I was just like, so if they're moving up that way, and those people are there, then they're going to bump into each other. Or these guys are going to relieve them. And you was like, that just didn't click. And you, you realise uh, yeah, that you're so into it that your brain just shuts off stuff, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yep, all the time. You know what? I know that there's going to be things that don't make sense in my book, but don't tell me, don't tell me, because <laughs> without a doubt, you, there will be. There will be so much stuff. Like, I've had questions from my editors like, hang on, why? why wouldn't they just, like, turn left? Because you've just said that there's a road there. I'm like, oh, crap, yeah, that's so true. Like, yeah, even a magic system, because there's a whole world that's been made up. It's so difficult. And, like, the Bible that I have that comes with the world I've created is, like, huge. That was a question. <laughs> and I have to resort to this glossary.
0: That was a question I was going to ask you about a world creation. So did you did you sit down beforehand and sort of create, you know, sort of you know, topography, how the world sort of set out, the magic system and things like that. Was that your first stop?
1: Um, So the first thing I'd say that I had about the book at all was just I just knew that there was blue sand dunes and white bark trees. And that's all I knew about the book. And that was the first thing that I wrote about the whole story was that I knew that it had sand dunes and white trees. Um, And then I proceeded to write a story and I didn't. I did the world building within the story. I did like that thing where I just let my fingers just go and see what happened. Um, and then I tried to sell that book, and uh, it was only until like kind of my first edit letter that my editors were like, "So, um, what is the political structure? What is this, this, and this?" And I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, okay. I need to develop." everything and I had done some because you literally can't when you're making up words you can't not track them um and I actually had to submit a glossary to for the end of the the first book uh for the end pages and it was uh originally the glossary was 16 pages Whoa. And I panicked. I was like, hang on, what did George RR R. Martin do? His was 40 pages. So I was like, okay, at least I've got some, some room <laughs> to play with. Because um, I've got the same uh, publishing house. So I was like, well, they did it for him. So they've got to do it for me. <laughs> and I was like, I've got 16 pages. But I did, I did cut it down um, to to eight eight pages. By the way, I'm not suggesting I am George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah, you are. You like, <laughs> I was just like, we're going to see just... <laughs> an HBO series very soon. <laughs> Someone's gonna cut this together and it's just gonna be me comparing myself to Jordan <laughs> um, uh, So anyway, in the end I had a really, really, really long document with everything. Um, you know, I could tell you the seven species that circles one of the forts of birds. I can tell you um, literally the hair colour of every single 250 characters. Like it's it's an epic on epic proportions, um, and the world that comes with it is big.
0: But yeah, well, as long as you can finish your books, then you know you're, you're a step ahead of Mr. Martin there, because he doesn't like finish. He doesn't like finishing his books. He likes leaving them at the end and no. not bothering. So you no, know, no. <laughs> we're,
1: we're, we're not
3: better. <laughs> not better. I mean, while you're talking, it reminds me of something that someone posted once in one of the writers' groups I followed that said there are sev- there are two kinds of stories there's the story that comes with a plan and it follows the plan it's ruthlessly, be- ruthlessly beaten to make sure it does and there's the ones that are a little bit feral and if you don't keep an eye on them suddenly you find yourself writing something that you never planned in the first place but hey it works <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah exactly I, well, I think it works who knows people might hate it we'll see
3: well, someone likes it. They threw money at
1: you.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's no. true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, one thing I wanted to ask, obviously when you got that publishing deal and you phoned up your boss saying bye, how did that conversation go down? <laughs> uh,
1: um,
0: Where were you working, uh, by the way? What said, were you said,
1: uh, I was working at Pinewood Film Studios. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I... My boss is very lovely. He congratulated me. He was very proud of me. He's very happy for me. Um, and I just remember very, very clearly. He said, "But you haven't signed the contract yet." Um, as if that would kind of stop the whole process. And I said, "No, but I've been told that it can take up to five months, and I'm not <laughs> sticking around five months for the contract." So it, I ended actually ended up staying for like another four months with the company anyway. Um, but yeah, they they were really fantastic about the whole thing. just so happy for me, I guess.
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Living living the dream, basically. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much sh- schmoes have to do an office job, and some of us go out and do things that you, you, you dream to do. Do you get? To, does it get to a point where? Because I, I find that when I, like, I enjoy a lot of things. I'm a super nerd. I, you know, if you could see, you know, you'll you, you see in the sort of live stream, you know, all the, the nerdery that surrounds me and stuff. So I've got a lot of hobbies and things like that. But if I'm forced to do something, I stop enjoying it. So how do you get yourself past that sort of, because obviously you enjoy, you enjoy writing, but if it's a job, it becomes a task sometimes. Is, is there any way you yeah. get yourself past
1: that? Yeah, you 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 really hit the nail on the head. It's really suddenly when someone's like, "This is this is your job," you're like, "Well, I don't want to do it. I just don't." <laughs> it's like it's so hard. And it, it, the thing, what I'll say about being an author, though, it sounds like the dream, and everyone is you know, wants to be a full-time author, I'd say it it comes with a whole new type of anxiety in that you don't ever stop thinking about your book. You will wake up at 1am, you'll wake up at 2am, you don't stop thinking about it. And it's not like when I was writing and had the day job, because the day job I wouldn't think about the book and then I'd be like all right evenly I'll think about the book whereas now it's just constant which is you know it can be fun but it's also all-encompassing um the one thing that I found that has been a huge help is just the community that I have found quite recently um within the fantasy world so um Tasha Suri lives really close to me writer of The Jasmine Throne, Um, just some fantastic people, Samantha Shannon, Kat Dunn, um, Kate Dylan. people that I've really come to know in the community um, that has just been fantastic and they keep me motivated and their support has been amazing Um, Yeah, and, and kept me going and I think that's kind of the best thing. But it is really hard to read actually, I found it really tough going from being you know, writing for fun to like writing as a job and then suddenly having to read and because you do get sent a lot of proofs um, which are like early copies of books and you want to read and be excited but it's so hard when you're just constantly drafting or editing to then enjoy a book. Um, but I'm getting better at that. But it has been tough.
3: It reminds me of, do you know Adam Savage that you, that you did the Mythbusters? Yes. He did, he, obviously he has his um, YouTube channel a couple of months back. He did a Q&A video, and one of the things people asked him was, when you become, when your hobby becomes your job, how does that affect it? And he, he said something very similar. He said, it's now your job. It's no longer something you do for fun. It has an awful lot of stress wrapped around it. You need to find something else to decompress with, because if you try and make it your hobby and your job, then there's a pretty good chance that either you'll end up taking lots and lots of pills, or it won't be your job anymore, because you won't be able to take yeah. it seriously the, same, the right way. Because so many other people will be chasing you around and leaning in you, throwing money at you, demanding money back.
0: <laughs> so what yeah. what is it you what is it you do to so obviously you mentioned your PlayStation. So is that sort of one of your sort yeah. of ghetto is that your sort of your box that you go to when you just want to sort of zone out of everything writing? What's what's your thing?
1: Yeah, definitely PlayStation. So, so um, what do you play? uh so i've actually just started uncharted for the first time okay um and i just i finished the original skyrim because obviously i've got to play something 10 years late it was really difficult (laughs) to play something that old i'm telling you it was (laughs) so difficult and i play all the assassin's creed um i really enjoyed valhalla um and Horizon and the new Horizon coming out in a couple of weeks, oh, yeah. which I'm really looking forward to. um So yeah, so I do use PlayStation. I watch a lot of TV. um Just finished Hawkeye again. Was very late to the table that on that one. That was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: that was awesome. I really love that good. series. Yeah, really good.
1: It was just I wish I'd watched it over Christmas because it was so Christmassy, and I was like, now I'm just I'm oh, not yeah. in the Christmas vibe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I hate that so, yeah, Too late with that one. Yeah, when Christmas stuff happens after Christmas, you just feel like, ah, oh, it's over now. Christmas is over. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I've so got no joy. Really I
3: don't nostal- want joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tree. Right. It, it actually made me really, really nostalgic because a couple of years back, me and my um, wife now did our um, honeymoon in New York for Thanksgiving. So we left just before the tree went up down at um, down, um, uh, the Rockefeller Center. So it was really quite yeah. bizarre, sort of seeing all these things, thinking, I actually recognise that from somewhere. Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> but without all the scary Russian, Russians in tracksuits and explosions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, Florence Pugh, though, she's just so great.
2: Perfect as Yelena.
1: Yeah. Literally oh. so great. Stop making
2: me
3: like you. I'm sorry, I can't help it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know.
0: What did you think yeah. of uh, What did you think of Black Widow? Then I'm assuming you saw Black Widow.
1: Yeah, I did. I, uh, I, I just, I just really wanted Florence Pugh 90 minutes on the scene. I didn't want anything else. I did, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Um, but I also felt because she was dead, like I was like I moved on from the story a little bit. Um, so I didn't want to go back in time. But anyway, it was it was fine. I, I, yeah, I watched it. They all kind of blur into one as well now.
2: It's five years too late, wasn't it? If it'd been like before Infinity
3: yeah. War, it would have felt
2: more yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, more grounded. It's like she's gone. Yeah. she's gone. I'm, I'm over I it. Think,
3: <laughs> I think almost in in some ways as well though, if they found a way to to have it out closer to Hawkeye, because obviously there's a yeah, lot of yeah. back references where he's looking back, and obviously the whole complication with with um, Florence Pugh's uh, as Elena coming after him and everything. I think yeah, it would have yeah, yeah. worked better in a lot of ways because people that are into it and were watching both closer together, it would have had more impact emotionally because you you'd have yeah. some investment in it. I, I, apart from the five years ago, goddamn her, she's dead now. But actually yeah, having yeah, something yeah, to together. Yeah. But I suppose when you're trying to juggle streaming services and movie releases and epidemics and stuff, something's gonna give, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. And I watched The Eternals recently as well. I thought it was good. I enjoyed
0: I it. I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, um Oh all right. It was, oh. <laughs> what were your views? Okay, what, what did it you it It was think?
1: a film I watched. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> my goodness. it was I what I loved was how diverse the cast was. Like, oh incredible in the fact that they actually got um, you know, deaf characters. It was it was just so so impressive, yeah. like what they tried to do there. And that I was like, you know, ten out of ten. Plot wise, there I just you know, the whole yeeting into the sun thing, I just wasn't keen on that. Um and, it, is, it, is uh, icras-
0: it was Icarus after all, so
1: I know I get the metaphor, but do you need to ram it down my throat? <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> They no. had
0: a laying around. They had to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just I like I like that he, you know, and apologies if anybody's not watched it yet, but um, you know, it, have you not seen it yet, Pete? No,
2: not yet, no. Go ahead,
0: please. Are you sure? You know, I don't will um, be guess me guess. It's it I, I like that he isn't the the shining beacon of freedom that sort of kind of at the start it, it, that twist that he is he's doing it for his his belief and stuff that he he is a bit of a shithead in the end and i like i kind of like that um i think because there were so many characters it was quite hard to expedite their sort of um or sort of What's the word it, it, it was quite hard to tell each of their stories in one movie yeah. Um so it did seem yeah. slightly rushed in certain parts but i thought all in all i i, I quite enjoyed it um i quite i quite liked it and uh, uh you know uh madden's character as icarus i i thought was good because you know him turning basically bad guy it, bad guy he sort of regrets him you know at the end sort of thing but you know i liked that i thought that was pretty good
3: uh, I, I still maintain that my favourite character was the Indian with the camera.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it was brilliant to have like a, a sidekick that was a person of colour. I was like, that's the first time that I've ever seen this kind of character that's a side character that's always you know, the one with the funny little quips being a person of colour. I was like, that's the first time I've seen that. And that was really refreshing.
3: And they didn't write him off either. He, when, there are times when He he became part of the conversation, as like the mortal in the room, and the others had to kind of respect that. As his fully
1: authentic self, yeah, Yeah.
0: absolutely.
3: Yeah. And there are other times where you're like, I can't believe he said that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Have you seen Shang Chi by the way? Oh, I loved it. Excellent. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, um, I've 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 come watching again and again because it's really, you know, immersed itself in Chinese culture. All the background information, like the tanker fish, in the background, because which is good feng shui, and like I was watching them going, that is actual kung fu. They've brought in people that actually know kung fu, and um, I love the fact that for the first three quarters of the film, Shang Chi's superpower has just been very good at kung fu
0: yeah 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 i, I was yeah, I, w- I, I really enjoyed it though they did that marvel thing where everything glows blue and sort of has sort of kind of lightning around it and stuff it's like make normal weapon make it blue and sort of you know ener- <laughs> ener- energy field and stuff and it's oh,
3: i still like that it's no longer the marvel cinematic universe it's the marvel one universe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he's just everywhere yes
0: yeah, <laughs> it really is uh,
2: <laughs> so what what films would you recommend? What are you what are your go-to films or TV shows?
1: Oh god. Um <laughs> my go-to films. I do watch pretty much every superhero movie, although I wish that I didn't, honestly. I feel <laughs> like <laughs> I, I I wish there's there's so much more room for other other stuff in my brain and it's just like Marvel 90% of the time. Um I really loved just because I really recently re-rewatched it, Arrival. Um, just because yeah. I thought it was a really interesting, different alien movie. Yes, it's really old, but I really enjoyed it. Um I tend to like my sci-fi anyway. Uh yeah, things like Interstellar, uh, although not Christopher nolan's Best, but I did enjoy it. Um and you know, if I had to be really honest, like my go-to film is probably The Lion King, <laughs> um, just just because it's you know, you know, there's hurt, but there's also a lot of joy in it. Yeah,
0: there's, I saw some really. It was something about The Lion King, and it's just like um, it was after. Um, his dad dies and stuff and says what the hyenas do with uh lions that they you know they kill and it shows this guy was saying they ate him they ate his dad because there's a there's a lion skull <laughs> in the den in scar's den and stuff and it's just like that's what happens yeah. They eat him. <laughs> so it's just there thanks disney Aww. thanks a lot
1: <laughs> yeah thanks thanks for ruining my childhood <laughs>
2: yeah. have you seen matrix uh resurrections
1: yes i did
2: what did you think of and,
1: it? And uh, that it was a Christmas love story. Yep. That's that's what it was. Yeah. It wasn't a Matrix film.
2: No.
1: It was a it was a Christmas love story. It could have in in any single world. It was just like I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But it was also very tired, and I I felt that they were tired. They were oh. tired doing stunts. <laughs> they were tired directing, and I was tired watching them. I was like. Even the jokes about his back and stuff, I was like, yeah, like you are tight. Just go lie down, lie down. You don't need to make this film. Although I did enjoy it. It was a love story and that's all it was. Talking about
0: Keanu Reeves, I've just watched um, with my girlfriend Mira. Um, the John, because she's not seen any of the John Wick films, I'm just like hammered <laughs> the last John Wick. I love the John Wick films. They're so good.
1: Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're fun.
0: They're yeah, so, so fun. good. And I, do you know what I love about it is the fact, yeah. that one, that he does his own stunts and stuff. Uh, he sort of does a lot of the fighting and, and gunplay himself, but also that as the films go on, because they are sort of meant to be chronological after each other, like the next day or a couple of days later and stuff, that he you can, can see, obviously, because he's getting older, in real life that he's becoming slower and obviously with all the injuries and stuff he's sustaining within the films that that sort of that's why nah. he's getting slower and stuff like that and it's like i like that i think it's really good oh,
1: okay. but yeah i love john
0: wick he's mm-hmm. so good the fight scenes are just like out of this world i just love it mm. so good yeah so, i
1: just love keanu reeves to be honest he's <laughs> a nice guy he's such a nice guy though like yeah you know, he's, he's a, just like literally yeah. He really yeah, is. I don't know him, but I know that he's the nicest. Yeah.
0: I just, I, I see, yeah, like, yeah, don't interviews.
3: pay me. Just make sure the guys get paid properly. It's, it's not a problem. And let's give them some motorbikes oh. as well.
0: Yeah. Well, you see a lot of that stuff, <laughs> you know, and I'll I, I take some of the, the stuff about him with a pinch of salt because, you know, it's, you know, in these days, it's 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 too easy for somebody to go, yes, he donated 50 billion, zillion pounds to uh, charity because he's Keanu Reeves and stuff. But, when you see interviews with him he's very humble he's very nice you can see it's when, it, when so he nice. take, when he takes photographs of people and stuff he he always gives them space and he doesn't sort of he's not on them and you know it's just sort of such a you can tell that he's such a nice he's a swell fellow and you know if you ever did talk to him that he would be a nice chap whereas you can tell like i've met a few people uh doing conventions and things and i kind of wish i'd never met them because they were assholes (laughs) just like you're not what yeah 90
1: percent of celebrities because i I did a lot of i used to do a lot of red carpets doing the press on the red carpets when i was working in marketing and um like Mm -hmm. easily 90 percent of them are just assholes yeah just yeah yeah, it's 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 it's
0: it's so i understand they
3: don't meet your heroes and
0: now you know why. We have West Street, I remember John Joe. I remember John Jew telling us about meeting. Um, was it Gillian Anderson? Was it? Mm-hmm. And her? No, and no, her,
1: she's nice.
0: Is she? He says he like. Well, he had a, I know, I, you
1: go first.
0: He said he had a really bad experience with her when he was trying to sort of. Um, he she was. I don't know she was taking a no, signing I think she uh, was signing in a convention or something uh, and she wouldn't let photographs be taken and she would only let you know no post photographs she would only sign something and that was it no talks no nothing you just like factory letting them go oh, off and I feel stuff.
1: like that was a bad a bad day for her because a friend of mine has a selfie with her and apparently she was gorgeous she is like one of my biggest celebrity crushes really she's <laughs> yeah I love her See, and I, I, you've
3: she's watched Sex Education then
1: <laughs> yes of course. But Everything Have you watched The Crown?
2: Because that makes things very complicated for me.
1: Yes, I do agree. <laughs> You agree yeah the crown was a straight-off turn-off but um
0: still she was in it so oh, that's right she played she played margaret thatcher didn't she yep <laughs> yes.
2: we don't talk about that no i don't want to think about that, that makes yeah. me, it's very complicated inside my
0: head <laughs> so when then people say when you're trying it's like think of margaret thatcher oh no <laughs> it's but, like that <laughs> thing uh, and what work, is it what's work. it in um uh what's it in East Ventura? not East Ventura. Uh what is it? Uh what's the other the spy? Oh, oh um Margaret Thatcher uh, on a cold day English. No not jogging English Uh. Um, oh. But Mike Myers, um, oh yeah, uh, Mike yeah, Myers, yeah. It's just like Margaret Thatcher that in, cool that <laughs> in a cool day, Margaret Thatcher in a And you've got you've got Gillian Anderson in your head, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> all right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there are some generally lovely uh, celebrities out there, but they're equally less so. I mean, um terms majors, he's a really lovely guy. I mean, isn't he like. 80s now and he's still got stoned to him He really is like the you know, keep going and kicking ass and i mean yeah he really was just an absolutely nice guy to chat to and also virginia Hare, who played zan in farscape like you know, like you, know, you meet at one convention you have a chat with a quick interview with one you can meet a couple of years later and she will remember you she'll like oh hi how are you like it's been a few years peter how are you it's like good OK, the millions of people you must meet. Yeah, and they can remember their yeah. names instantly.
3: But that was when you had the long red hair, wasn't it? So that probably helped. What do you mean, had? Oh, the long bright red hair. It's Thank you, bit, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more towards the normal at the moment. I don't do normal. Well, I said <laughs>
2: towards. I said towards. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but there's uh. others that were... How could I put this diplomatically... Stand up,
1: Say they're assholes. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I, th- I get this because yeah.
0: w- I think we've had this discussion before on one of the podcasts and stuff. So I, I reckon you know you will get people who you know they've had a bad day. So like you know yeah. maybe John Joe met her on a, on a bad day, and you can understand if you've got a lot of people in your face all the time and you know you're just gonna one day you're just gonna go fuck you guys i'm, I'm just i'm done today i'm not i'm not dealing yeah. with this situation so um, when someone's
3: made the same joke for the 1800th time that week yeah, yeah thinking that they're the first one and you're just like i i've not slept in like five days properly but i've got yeah. a crappy hotel room and everyone keeps on telling me off because i'm not supposed to be taking selfies because they, they charge extra for that
0: <laughs> it's like it's like there's there's one guy who i just think like there's toby there's toby mcguire obviously he played um obviously spider-man and actually <laughs> I, i'm not sure has everybody seen spider-man by the way the new spider-man yes oh Pete, no my daughter go- has what's going on yeah. Pete? <laughs> my Reduc- daughter you just seen it
2: my daughter went to see it without me she went with her friends
0: Do you know know, know how I know this? Because in the last two podcasts, if you listen back to them, Pete mentions this. (laughs) Yes, because I have
2: not let this go. (laughs) And also, my daughter, no less, is going to do an escape room
3: with her friends, and I'm not invited.
0: You're not cool cool anymore, Dad. You're not cool anymore. I told
3: you this earlier. You need to explain to her that while well, you are sad that you can't share this with her. You're looking forward to sharing it with your grandchildren and her, and you accept that she is maturing and needs to spend time with her friends. Dude, just go. On and your that own. you're just going to go and slash your wrist in the in the in the corner. Could she bring some bandages? <laughs> <laughs>
0: go on your own. I went on my own because nobody else. Yeah. Might, I, I, all my all my mates and stuff had seen it, uh, or didn't want to go. I just went right, so I just took myself off on my own and stuff, and I, I just watched it. And uh, yeah. but anyway, so Tobey Maguire, um, Spider-Man, and you see all these videos of him now. There's a film. Um, I can't remember the name of the film now. It's about poker games, uh, like a celebrity poker games. I oh, know uh, one, yeah. Um, ca- uh, Molly's uh, game, Molly's game, yeah. And the guy who, um, C- oh, it's not Cena. Well, he's he's the actor who plays it. Uh, he's in Juno and he's in Superbad and he's in. Yeah, I know the one. You're talking about. I just uh, can't really um, that. He, uh ah, oh, what's his
1: name? Anyway, Ma- Michael,
0: S- S- Sarah, Sarah. Is it Michael Sarah? Michael yeah.
1: Sarah, yeah,
0: yeah, Sarah, yeah, yeah. That's it. He, his character in that is apparently meant to be Toby McGuire, and like yeah. you know, it's meant to be. And I was like, no way, Toby McGuire is an asshole. And oh. then it's this, and then it's like you see all. Oh, and then I I got that in my head, and now every time I see him scowling at a camera or shouting <sighs> at the paparazzi and stuff, I go, he is an asshole. He is an asshole. Mm-hmm, he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, so apparently that's him. You know, that's the the character who uh, Michael Cera plays is is, is Toby Maguire. Um So yeah, so but uh, wow. now I just see him on on these videos, and he's on he's you know everybody else is sort of being happy towards the cameras or people and stuff, and he's just scowling at them and shouting at them and stuff. I'm like, you are him. You are an asshole. Not that we, I know. I'm just saying <laughs> from TV and stuff. But yeah.
2: Um, so, so who was the your favourite celebrity that you've met?
1: sarah <laughs> oh that's a short list um, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i, uh, I ooh, uh, <laughs> gosh it's actually hard i do remember doing i don't actually know whether i can say this but i do remember doing the first Avengers, and thinking Scarlett Johansson was nice. So, nice. Yeah, I, I think she she said something nice to me. She must have said something nice, and then I just remembered that because that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> 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 to be honest, they have. They it's really tough because the days that they have are, you know, quite brutal in that yeah. they do junkets, so they're doing back to back interviews. Um, so, I and I've heard Tom Holland's really lovely. Um, you know, give him a few years, but he's really lovely now. <laughs> um, and it, C- it, it just it just can be it can be really tough. Henry Carmel People seems want like- everything from.
0: Oh, Henry Cavill! Interesting. Oh, you what say you, he seems what, nice. He seems like a nice chap, is he not? Don't don't ruin it for me. Is he ruin it? No, don't do it. <sighs> is he? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> go the on. Silence. I don't
1: know. I don't oh. know. You don't know. I don't, I'm not sure.
0: Oh, okay, right. It just it's it just like he sit every every interview I've seen. He seems pretty sort of kind of nice, super nerdy um just like you know quite um s- stoic in a way but also um very sort of kind of polite um he's just you know i i've never seen anything bad about him and you know
1: yeah and it is it is good when they're like super professional and they're really just like generally nice to work with um so, yeah, maybe he is
0: nice. I, I hope so. I thought you were going to throw out, yeah, I was like, well, there was that time when yeah. he did this. And I was like,
2: no. Yeah. no I remember no. that interview with Channel 4 that Robert downey Jr. did ahead of um, Iron Man 2, I think. And literally, Robert downey Jr. I think they asked him about, like, the no, Yeah, he walked out. Yeah, that was- Yeah, but I think
0: the, it's a fair, think, Do you think he was being too probing? What was the fella uh, The Channel 4, uh, what's his name- uh, I know who you mean I, I kind of it's... Christian Gary Murphy? Yes, Christian Gary Murphy Murphy. I don't know if he was oh, yes. he over overstepped, he was... overstepped the mark slightly to be fair. Um, so he
1: was told not to say anything about ask about drugs. It uh-oh. was in the rider um to not speak about drugs and then he asked.
2: Right. Okay. He he asked so, so he deliberately <laughs> crossed a specific line and
3: Robert it Yeah.
1: Went, yeah, he did yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Some sl- yeah, Because the thing is, everything you hear about Robert Downey Jr. says that he really has stepped up since he got over those issues and he's really put, you know, like he encouraged all the stars to work together and oh, he's taken hits and stuff. And you do know there are some people who are just going to try and catch him on a bad day or punch him in the sensitive spots just because they want to be able to be the ones that got him not being a nice guy. And it's got to be pretty horrible, hasn't it, being in that position? always knowing it might and be
1: coming I think, yeah and I think when you get that big interviews tend to like have that kind of loaded feeling anyway it's like they're trying to get that next like super click um so it's mm. not always in the the whether well, the most likely not in the best interest of they're always probing you know they're not trying to so to be fair to most celebrities it is really hard when you're mm. being asked all those really super personal questions
3: this is why I didn't do seconds. well on the
1: marketing side. Yeah, yeah exactly.
3: Because these days, it's, everything's out of context or is taken in weird context because it's so easy to cut stuff together now.
0: Well, that's it. Yeah. That's the that's the one thing that sort of... Um, it, it frustrates me about modern society in that, you know, people can't be better. They're always their lowest common denominator. So um, they like Kevin Hart, for example, um, they said to him he couldn't do the Oscars because of some bad tweets that he did many, many years ago and stuff. Mm -hmm. For me personally, first, I believe in redemption. I believe in you becoming a better person if i if i thought about some of the stuff i said when i was younger or you know if i had twitter and stuff which you know i i, I would have said yeah. bad stuff and if that came back My to gosh. me over and over and over again it's just like so i can't be a better person even like even a few years ago i'd say even now i'm always the stuff i said a couple of years ago i'd look back on it now and just go why did i say that you know it just sort of like mm-hmm. i'm i'm not that person anymore and for that, things that keep on being dragged up, and sort of like, well, I, I, so I can't be a better person. I can't redeem myself. I can't think because you're going to keep on bringing this stuff back. And it's a shame because people go, oh, he said that 20 years ago. And it's just like, yeah, but 20 years ago or even two years ago, it's like people can change. You should give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so yeah. moving forward yeah.
0: Sarah what does the future have
2: planned for you what have you got lined up I mean are we going to I mean obviously you're working on your third book now editor the second is there another book in the line afterwards are you working on ideas for book four or a new trilogy uh
1: yeah so at the moment I um I am also doing a master's in African studies oh, which wow. is something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time so I went back to school. I am. Um, at least ten years older than the next student, but it's fine because <laughs> I look like a child. Um it's so funny. They like always just ask me ridiculous like when they found out that I went to university when fees were three thousand pounds, they like nearly fainted. <laughs> They're, like, how old are you?
2: <laughs> I, went it's, it's oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I went to university free Oh my God.
0: That was
3: weird. <laughs> I got a birthday when I was a college. Like an actual
1: birthday oh, with and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what? No
0: interest? What? <laughs> yeah, I think my my student loan was like, uh I went in two thousand, so my student loan was like three thousand 000... pounds. No, I had to pay three thousand pounds a year. I think was sorry. What I? Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah three
1: thousand.
0: Noah. Yeah, that was
3: me. Noah. I was a little bit ahead of you guys. <laughs> yeah. And I was living
2: at home. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, you're, you're at university studying yes. African studies. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, so that's been really exciting and very, very difficult because I realise, like, having a brain to write essays and having a brain to write books, book, just, just, I don't have that brain. Yeah. I'm trying, but it's it's really difficult. Um, But it has been really enjoyable. I'm using kind of that experience to think about and... Work on my next trilogy, um, which I have to kind of put a proposal together and then send to because no one's bought that, so that's going to be
3: mm-hmm.
1: fresh. Um, and that's the thing; it's like, you know, you have to be on a cycle because you have to sell the next book, you know, in order to be able to pay the bills. So it's like, okay, even though my first book's not even out, I have to start thinking about the next step, um, which is exciting in its own way. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to kind of, which is mad as well, to think that ready to move on from these characters when my book's not even out yet, but I am ready for the next kind of, because I do think that you just get better and better as a writer. Like I, yeah. Even looking back at my proof pages, I'm like, whoa, you wrote that sentence. That's terrible. Um, you know, so every day I feel like I'm getting better. So I'm, I'm really excited for the future.
0: Would you, yeah. would you do sci-fi or would you care stay with fantasy?
1: yeah yeah no definitely. I think sci-fi is always on the cards for me um yeah i I love reading it um so yeah, I think it's something that I might explore um, yeah sorry with back to back to the african studies
0: um you know what what sort of what what does it entail is it history social um dynamics what what's it about
1: uh so it's it's so diverse um so one of the modules that I took uh, last term I'll just it had a longer title but I'm basically going to say it was just about genocide every wow. week was a new genocide in Africa and you just learnt about the kind of the legal and the justice transitional justice that happened within those systems of oppression um, how uh, the world dealt with that slash didn't um, and how it always it. just goes back to colonisation <laughs> Um and then, for example, uh, one I'm doing this term is contemporary African literature, so that's very much on the art side of things. I'm um, reading fantastic um, writings from uh, across the continent, and then there's more kind of humanities-based learning about cartography and how, in the, in an, in of itself, uh, you know, Africa is a construct and it doesn't really exist. And um, yeah, it's been really fascinating. So pretty much everything. Uh, little bits
0: of everything yeah sounds interesting sounds interesting like i did yeah, the, i did yeah. the mil- i did the military history degree and um it we sort of kind of did uh imperial stuff um we did a bit of everything to be honest um it was quite a broad sort of brush but uh you don't really go into the depth of that it's literally like you know it is dates and battles and mm. things like that and you it, it's it's quite easy to sort of dehumanize things because it's literally just stats and no context, uh, no context and stuff and um, it's only now I think I go back to things now to sort of get a a, lo- a, a sort of on a granular level to a lot of these things because you sort of kind of it, it's too e- easy just to sort of accept history as numbers on a page um, and not sort of look at it more sort of uh, more granularly, and um, mm. yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of yeah, that, that sounds quite quite interesting actually. Yeah, I
2: mean, I, mean, I went to university at um, back in the nineties, and we just and studied engineering. Now because that was a show, where where has gone before, I had enough of it and went into journalism. But yeah, it's we never studied anything to do with the culture or the background or social. I mean, just the impact of geoengineering or like a lot of, or civil engineering on the surrounding area. That's yeah. No, because we just look at the, yeah, you can build a dam there, let's build a dam, without considering the <laughs> impact it has upon the wider society. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, since I've been getting into journalism and, like, writing about um, new developments, you have to really consider the socio-cultural impact mm-hmm. that technology has upon the... Surrounding area. Yeah, I mean, and I think yeah. that, I think only recently in the past even ten years that people have really started to consider. No, you really need to look at the culture of the people that you are affecting.
3: Yeah, like, just I mean, on the- When you think back to how we studied history at term um, school, it is such a really weird little bubble of just here's some really it's some acceptable bits. Don't worry about the difficult stuff. That's that's something that you might cover if you go into history, and I, I, I went to, I did um, IT, you know, I did software engineering, so it's only later on that I was re- I was have always been a voracious reader, as I stopped just reading the novels and stuff and like looking into stuff around it. If you're reading like military thrillers or stuff like that. And you think about the context and how that happened and why that happened, yeah. and you start thinking it's not quite so much fun anymore, is it?
0: Yeah. Well, see, I think that's what it needs to be. And I've said this numerous times before: history should be the uncomfortable truth. I think it's very easy. And I come from Northern Ireland, and and Northern Ireland is rife with romanticised and sort of one-sided history on both on both spec sides of the spectrum. They both have it: uh, nationalists, unionists. They're all very, they're very much the same. It's just like you know they've got one way they want to look at things because it suits them, and it doesn't sort of it doesn't sort of uh make them feel bad about what they've done. You know, um the the sort of nationalists are always the oppressed, the the unionists are always sort of like, you know, bigging up uh this, that and the other. And it's very much a case of there's more to it and you need to read the stuff that's uncomfortable. And I made a point of yeah. uh reading stuff that I didn't want to read. Now I was brought up away we- um in a certain way and I was like I you know I had certain beliefs and then I got to the point where it's just like I need to question that belief and I need to understand that there's more to it and so I now actively look out for things that go against what I believe to the point where I add people in my Facebook page if I know who have counter views of me just because I, I, I if I can have a debate with them then at least I can have a, a two sides to a coin as it were and um I just think people need to understand the uncomfortable truth because once they get that and they normalize these sort of things then history becomes very powerful and you can learn from it and you can become a better person like I, I would say I'm a better person for understanding my history properly um, not on a one-sided way I always look at it from a broad sort of way and I think people if they did that it would be better for society if they just went you know what a lot of shit has happened and i'm not saying i always say you learn from history don't dwell on it so you sort of you learn from your mistakes you learn from your your forebear's mistakes and you make things better going forward Um, but you need to learn about that first you need to understand that first and if you don't then you're just going to carry on making the same mistakes over and over and over again
3: this is an argument i had with several people about the um the, um, the, the thing about um, the, the statue toppling and things like that. Whereas I said in some ways it would be better to, to focus less on protesting and knocking things over and aiming them, more on putting that information in place and encouraging people to learn why and what it was about and how that impacts us now and think about things.
1: I think that's the thing though, that history in itself is subjective. It's history and truth, they're not the mm. same thing. Um, and uh, they should be (laughs) Uh, but there's power there's a power dynamic in play and who is telling that story and how is that being told and how is, you know, you can say people need to learn more but it's all on what they're learning you know, Mm. Um, and it's how do you even control that um, is the question Uh, and sometimes you do have to, sorry, go ahead No, 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 my apologies, I, I interrupted you you carry on no i was just going to say sometimes you have to break the system with mm. acts of uh violence is not the right word but with acts of maybe drama uh mm. in order to draw attention to things um but yeah education is such a, a an important discussion and it, it, it education and the power of history yeah. needs to be assessed
2: yeah i remember um about 10 plus years ago um well no, more than 10 years ago um when xbox were first developing the connect motion sensor um i think it was Kinect connect anyway um basically they were doing a first live demonstration and they discovered that you know, the because the Kinect had been developed by white guys in america and yeah. had been tested on white guys in america it couldn't detect black skin or dark colored skin. Yeah. And that was just, they had inadvertently invented a racist piece of technology. And because they just basically got focused on what's called weird uh, mm. um, methodologies, you know, Western educated, industrialized, rich, democratic nations. Yeah, And they hadn't considered looking at the wider global aspect. And that, I think that was really the groundbreaking moment of our people realized no, we need to think on a, more than just. Our initial, you know, you know, immediate strategy, We need to look globally. What impact will this have? We uh, have and the
3: same problem with um, uh, facial recognition. Yeah, some of the that, big facial recognition. That was
2: initial uh, also one thing as well is more, more recently, algorithm like the self driving cars have algorithms now for to avoid for minimizing crash. Basically, what what you have is a non avoidable crash. Where no matter what happens, a crash is going to occur. So it takes, like, it's decision-based. Of like, what do you go for? If you're going to crash into a wall, do you crash into an adult? Do you crash into a pram? Or do you crash into an animal? Which one do you go for? Now, obviously, like, you want to minimise, you know, impact on the people, impact on the, on the passengers, impact on everyone else. But if you're going to a choice between crashing into a hedge or crashing into an animal or crossing into an animal, which do you go for? And there is kind of, um, in some countries, certain animals have, you know, you know, have greater weighting. But that is not, that's because it's been invented in Germany. That's not been really considered. they not going to be running that else globally.
0: Yeah, so they would sooner crash into an animal and into a hedge? Well,
2: yeah, but there are certain animals that have, you know, um, cultural yeah. weighting in the area. And it's like, you know, you need to kind of consider each culture's own sense of what is right in their indicators and how do you define that on a you, can, you can't just kind of mandate certain, like globally the the cultural weightings you have to kind of apply the cultural weightings for each each particular area If that makes sense mm. and yeah. I got, we got off, a little bit off track there so I apologize
0: yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, okay so Fox on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we sorry, my fault. I, we we sort of kind of went off on a grand a grand tangent.
1: No, I was enjoying it. I was about to jump in with that stuff, but I thought, you know what? No, I can't do it. It's Lead ten up. thirty. I can't talk about the vaccine.
0: <laughs> oh no, no, that's right. We 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 can, you know. that Well, that's it. Are you? Are I'm assuming you are pro-vaccine? Yes. That's okay.
1: I am absolutely pro-vaccine, but I think the. There is uh, talking about, you know, education and talking about, you know, different cultures, ethnicities, races, education around that. Um, It's it's such a tricky, you know, when we're talking about you talking about Connect and how blacks it didn't you didn't see black skin. You know, there is a history of things having not been tested on black people or only being tested on black people and not. Yes. and them not knowing that you know they're being given syphilis um yep. and there's this you know there's, there's there's loads of situations in which that happened or where they fertilized black women or you know um there's, there's all sorts of things um but uh, you yeah. know and it, it's that Indian. education it's like breaking that down is not as easy as putting out social media ads to those communities and going, Mm -hmm. get the vaccine. Um, There's there's so much you need to think about the implications of all of that education. It is very frustrating to me because I'm like, just get a vaccine. You are not a scientist.
0: So is this, is this, so basically from what I understand you're saying that because there is historic um, grievance from you know government and a health body saying you know testing things without people knowing that certain uh ethical backgrounds would be less likely to get vaccinated because of the lack of trust. absolutely
1: yeah yeah Yeah. there's 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 people i know that if if, you know their their parent their grandparents have been tested on or one went into prison came out without uterus you know these are situations of people that i know of um and of course they're not going to you know trust the governments of the yeah.
3: countries trust, trust is based on experience isn't it at the end of the day if your experience yeah. of being told the government is right resulted in more harm than good then it's very hard for you to undo that i suppose without a lot of yeah. proof for the other way around and that's not always easy these days because the echo chambers effects and various other problems with modern media and social media that can actually make it yeah. worse
1: and whatsapp WhatsApp the the chain, forward messaging that's happening within yeah. certain communities. It's just yeah. like See, detrimental. I
0: could I could buy into like I know some people here are iffy about it because of um you know, not they they're they're not fully buying into it being tested and stuff. There's no it's not like they, they don't think there's there's conspiracy and stuff. Um, I'm just very. I know a lot of conspiracy theorists, like there's a lot, a lot of North Ireland, a lot of Northern Ireland like, literally like there's 5G being pumped into people's blood, you know, oh, the government God. sort of the whole thing. Oh. It's just, like the government can't even sort out bloody lockdown. The government can't even I get know. toilet toilet paper on the shelves. How are they supposed to be? How is it meant to be this big ass conspiracy? And it's just like, it's not, it's not. And it's just, you know, it's it, uh, uh, bog, yeah. my, I, I can understand people being reticent you know it's a new it, it I, technically it's not new because you know yes
1: i know technically and it's, it's not, not new. And it's we around, know that
0: yeah but it's technically it's not it's been you know f- you know for a long time it's been you know, i think in the 1920s they were sort of testing vaccines for it based on like on chickens and things like that but uh so it's being there um it's just that you know yeah i can i can understand a bit of reticence based on oh it's a new thing you may we're not sure um but when people are just like no oh, the government are trying to track us and it's all yeah. you know it's like people no. one th- the one thing it this really, is how they track you yeah exactly so you've got a phone <laughs> you've got a phone you're, you're on facebook right now if they want to know what you're doing i, 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 have, this am- government- I have this how amazing
3: i know what i'm doing I you took a picture of your dinner last night your breakfast this morning you took five pictures of the live stream while you were walking to work. Um. You <laughs> old, I
0: remember sitting there uh, having an argument with my old drummer. Uh, and like, he, he got, he, he, I, I managed to get him va- to get vaccinated and stuff. But he, he was just like, why, why do I need this NHS app? The government are going to track me. It's like, dude, you've got a phone. If they're gonna track you, they're already I tracking you. You know so it's, I like, it's like if they were going, if they wanted an inclined to find out what a drum teacher yeah. wanted to do, then they already know what's happening and stuff. So it's <laughs> like you don't need. If they're that yeah. way inclined, they they know. And the and I you know I work for uh, solicitors and stuff, and I I track people who are committing fraud and stuff, and I can find people and yeah. stuff. So if I you know. If you want to find somebody, you can find somebody with, a, you know, certain tools and stuff. So, you know, having a, the NHS app isn't going to make you more sort of, you know, <laughs> susceptible to uh, espionage and stuff. It's not going to happen, you know? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <clears throat> oh, all right. Okay. Well, on that bombshell... <laughs> uh, on that uh on that sort of uh, nice end we i think we Six, we, talk, we probably talk about vaccinations every week and we'll have probably done for the last few years <laughs> sort of a thing that happens and stuff you know it's one of those it, it trump's not there anymore so we can't sort of we can't go in well he's technically sort of in and around but you know he's not there anymore so we can't sort of kind of moan about him so we'll uh anti got Boris
1: it? Johnson, there.
0: That that is true, oh. though. I'm kind of hoping he's going to sort of make his way out very soon. Um, you know, I mean,
2: Boris Johnson isn't evil like Trump was.
1: Oh. He's just incompetent. Uh,
2: he's too so incompetent to be evil. He's, he's he's
0: just he's just a sort of I don't know buffoon. He's got, yeah, he's a buffoon. He's, i, so I think he, that's
1: no? But I think he makes people think he's a buffoon. That's where he's actually really smart. Because I think that everyone thinks that he's stupid, but I think he's actually he's more evil than we think. I think
3: I think it's more that he's he's limited. He's very limited by his own self interest and everything he doesn't yeah. look that far ahead. So he yes, he can think about stuff, but his frame of reference is so focused on what's best for him and what will keep him where he is just that little bit longer. Prime
0: example Brexit. When he had the letter, one for, one against. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, dude, that's so calculated. That's so bad. Yeah.
3: Everyone thinks he believes him. No, he believes in <laughs> Boris Johnson, and what he can do to convince people to keep him going, and on that gravy train, that a little bit longer.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
2: how many features he can hide in? <laughs>
0: And I think, you know, it's stuff like that. And then that's why people are sort of like, oh, I don't trust the government. It's like, well, one, you voted for them. But two, you know, it's like, you know, (laughs) it's like, I don't trust the government. You voted for them. You voted for them.
3: Oh, God, yeah. I've been having that argument with people since the whole EU election thing. Yeah. yeah
0: about yeah. six years ago. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is this, this is going to spiral out of control. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <It's Yep. gonna laughs> cease to be about some amazing uh, authorship uh, and high fantasy and turn into just us moaning about <laughs> stupid people. Anyway. So, um, books. So, uh, when, uh, is it out now? When's it out? Nope. 23rd of June. 23rd of june 23rd of june and what's the title what's it called
1: the final strife okay. it's out uh, it can be pre-ordered pre-orders make such a difference and it can be pre-ordered from pretty much anywhere excellent
3: or you been pre-ordered In that.
1: oh amazing
3: <laughs> and
2: like I and are you gonna be doing any conventions promote it fancy con uh... uh
1: yes i will be um I haven't got my schedule yet, but I know that I will. I'm probably going to go to EastCon um, and go up to Edinburgh in June um, and FancyCon, etc. So, um, and I might be going to New York. So we'll, we'll see. Um, there's, there's there will be probably announcements on my website and stuff.
2: So. Okay, when when's Eastercon when EastCon this year? Seventeenth, eighteenth,
1: nineteenth. So where I think. where not when where was it? Oh. Um, Heathrow. Heathrow? Bummer.
2: No, I can't I make know, that one. Too. I know. Heathrow. Yeah. Where are you uh, based, by the way?
1: Not far from Heathrow. I'm in uh, northwest London.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, uh, so That's that's actually convenient for you.
3: Yeah. Yes, it's it is. Not <laughs> it's not a bad area. I was working up. I've worked up there an awful lot. Um, the company I work for currently is based out of Park Royal. But oh, nice. North yeah. North. So
1: I'm, I'm uh, Harrow in the Hills, so not too far.
3: Not too too far from from our old offices as well, well. yeah, cool. Right,
0: cool. That's some (laughs) some normal. Um, uh, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, What was the day of the book again, sorry? June.
1: The final strife uh, the date, and it's sorry. june
0: uh, 23rd, 23rd yeah. june 23rd so june 23rd yeah. everybody check it out uh pre-order pre-order is always good uh thanks a lot sarah i appreciate it uh to everybody thank thanks. you thank you very much uh for joining us um as always i've been matt geary with me has been peter ellison good night, to everybody mark county take care everyone and sarah l arifi
1: Thanks, everyone. So nice to see you. Bye!